Chapter thirty six of Darnley by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty six. Thou seest me much distempered in my mind. Dryden. Sir Payan Walton had gone through life with fearless daring, calculating but never hesitating, keen sighted of danger but never timid. From youth he had divested himself of the three great fears which generally affect mankind, the fear of the world's opinion, the fear of his own conscience, and the fear of death. And thus endued with much bad courage, he had attempted and succeeded in many things which would have frightened a timid man, and failed with an irresolute one. And yet, as we have seen, by one of those strange contradictions of which human nature is full, Sir Payan, though an unbeliever in the bright truths of religion, was credulous to many of the darkest superstitions of the age in which he lived. On such a mind, anything that smacked of supernatural presentiment was likely to take the firmest hold, and on the morning after Lady Constance had, by his means and by his instigation, effected her flight from Richmond, he rose early from a troubled sleep, overshadowed by a deep despondency, which had never till then hung upon him. Before he was yet dressed, the news was brought him that one of his men had returned with the boat, and that the other had been arrested in the king's name. He felt his good fortune had passed away. An internal voice seemed to tell him that it was at an end, but yet he omitted no measures of security, quitting the capital without loss of time, and leaving such instructions with the porter as he deemed most likely to blind the eyes of Wolsey. Hoping that the servant, whose life was in his power, would not betray him, yet prepared, if he did, boldly to repel the charge, and by producing evidence to invalidate the other's testimony, to cast the accusation back upon his head. But still, from that moment, Sir Payam was an altered being, and though many days passed by without anything occurring, to disturb his repose, though the king's progress towards Dover, without any notice having been taken of his participation in Lady Constance's escape, led him to believe that fear had kept the servant faithful. Yet still Sir Payan remained in a state of gloom and lassitude that raised many a marvel amongst those around him. Wandering through the woods that surrounded his mansion, he passed hours and hours in deep, inactive, bitter meditation, finding no consolation in his own heart, no hope in the future, and no repose in the past, and, why he knew not, despairing where he had never despaired, trembling where he had never known fear. Often he questioned himself upon the strange depression of his mind, and the more he did so, the more he became convinced that it was a supernatural warning of approaching fate. Many were the resolutions that he made to shake it off, to struggle still, to seek the court and urge his claim on the estates of Constance de Grey, as he would have done in former days, but in vain. A leaden power lay heavy upon his heart, and crushed all its usual energies, and the only effort he could make was to send out servants in every direction to seek Sir Caesar the astrologer, weakly hoping to brace up his relaxed confidence by some predictions of success. But the old man was not easily to be found. No one knew his abode, and, ever strange and erratic in his motions, 
he seemed now agitated by some extraordinary impulse so that even when they had once found his track the servants of sir payen had often to trace him to ten or twelve houses in the course of a day sometimes it was in the manor of the peer sometimes in the cottage of the peasant that they heard of him but in none did he seem to sojourn for above an hour hurrying on wildly to the dwelling of some other amongst the many that he knew in all classes at length they overtook him on the road near sandgate and delivered sir payen's message whereupon without any reply he turned his horse and rode towards chillum where he arrived in the evening springing to the ground without any appearance of fatigue the old man sought sir payen in the park to which the servant said he had retired and winding through the various long valleys found him at length walking backwards and forwards with his arms crossed on his bosom and his eyes fixed upon the ground the evening sunshine was streaming brightly upon the spot pouring a mellow misty light through the western trees on the tall dark figure of sir payen who bending down his head paced along with gloomy slowness like some bad spirit oppressed and tormented by the smile of heaven it was a strange sight to see his meeting with sir caesar both were pale and haggard for some cause only known to himself had worn the keen features of the astrologer till the bones and cartilages seemed starting through the skin and sir payan's ashy cheek had lately acquired a still more deadly hue than it usually wore both too looked wild and fearful the keen black eyes of the old man showing with a terrific brightness in his thin and livid face and the stern features of sir payan appearing full of a sort of ferocious light which the attendants had remarked ever since he had been overthrown in the tilt by the lance of sir osborne meeting thus in the full yellow sunshine while sir caesar fixed his usual intense and scrutinizing glance upon the countenance of the other sir payan strove to receive him with a smile that but mocked the lips it shone upon they looked like two beings of another world met for the first time in upper air to commune of things long past well unhappy man said sir caesar at length what seekest thou with me that i am unhappy replied sir payan knitting his brow as he saw that little consolation was to be expected from the astrologer i do not deny and it is to know why i am unhappy that i have asked you to come hither you are unhappy answered sir caesar because you have plundered the widow and the orphan because you have wronged the friendless and the weak because you have betrayed the confident and the generous you are unhappy because there is not one in the wide world that loves you and because you even despise and hate and reprobate yourself old man old man cried sir payen half unsheathing his dagger beware beware those men only he added pushing back the weapon into its sheath ought to be unhappy that are unsuccessful the rest is all a bugbear set up by the weak to frighten away the strong but i have been successful am successful why then am i unhappy because your success is at an end replied the astrologer because you tremble to your fall because your days are numbered and late remorse is gnawing your heart in spite of your vain boasting nay lay not your hand on the hilt of your dagger over me murderer you have no power 
that dagger took the life of one that had never wronged you remember the rout at taunton remember the youth murdered the night after he surrendered sir payan trembled like an aspen leaf while the old man spoke yes murderer cried sir caesar though you thought the deed hid in the bowels of the earth i know it all that hand slew all that was dearest to me on earth the child that unhappy fortune forced me to leave upon this cursed shore and long long ago should his fate have been avenged in your blood had i not seen had i not known that heaven willed it otherwise i have waited patiently for the hour that is now come i have broken your bread and i have drunk of your wine but while i did so i have seen you gathering curses on your head and accumulating sins to sink you to perdition and that has taught me to endure i would not have saved you one hour of crime i would not have robbed my revenge of one single sin no not for an empire but i have watched you go on gloriously triumphantly in evil and in wickedness till heaven can bear no more till you have eaten up your future and soon with all your crimes upon your head hated despised condemned by all mankind your black soul shall be parted from your body and my eyes shall see you die sir payen had listened with varied emotions as the old man spoke surprise remorse and fear had been the first but gradually the more tempestuous feelings of his nature hurried away the rest and rage gaining mastery over all he drew his poniard and sprang upon sir caesar but in the very act as his arm was raised to strike he was caught by two powerful men who threw him back upon the ground and disarmed him one of them exclaiming ho ho we have just come in time sir payan wileton you are attached in the king's name lo here is a warrant for your apprehension you must come with us sir to calais one would attempt in vain to describe the rage that convulsed the form of sir payan wileton more especially when he beheld sir caesar smile upon him with a look of triumphant satisfaction seize him exclaimed he with furious violence pointing to the astrologer seize him if you love your king and your country he is a marked and obnoxious traitor i impeach him and you do not do your duty if you let him escape or are you his confederates and come up to prevent my punishing him for the treasons he has just acknowledged sir payan wileton replied the sergeant-at-arms this passion is all in vain i am sent here with a warrant from the king's privy council to attach you for high treason but i have no authority to arrest any one else but i am a magistrate cried the baffled knight let him not escape i enjoin you till i have had time to commit him he is a traitor i say and if you seize him not you art the king's enemies attached for high treason sir you are no longer a magistrate replied the sergeant at all events i do not hold myself justified in apprehending anybody against whom i have no warrant more especially when i found you raising your hand illegally against the very person's life whom you now accuse i can take no heed of the matter you must come he shall be satisfied said sir caesar venomless serpent i will follow thee now till thy last hour but think not that thou canst hurt me for thy power has gone from thee and though wicked as a demon thou art weak as a child i know that we are doomed to pass the same gate 
but not to journey on the same road lead on sergeant i will go on with you and then if this bad man have aught to urge against me let him do it go if you will sir replied the officer but remember you act according to your own pleasure i make no arrest in your case you are free to come with us or to stay as you think fit sir payan was now led back to the house which was in possession of the king's archers and as he passed through his own hall with a burning heart the hasty glance that he cast around amongst his servants showed him at once that though there were none to pity or befriend there were many full ready to betray then rushed upon his mind the accusations that they might pile upon his head now that they saw him sinking below the stream the certainty of death the dread of something after death doubts of his own scepticism the innate all-powerful conviction of a future state a state growing dreadfully perceptible to his eye as he approached the brink of that yawning gulf which his own acts had peopled with strange fears all that he had scoffed at all that he had despised now assumed a new and fearful character even the world's opinion the world's contemned opinion came across his thought that there was not one heart on all the earth would mourn his end that hatred and abhorrence would go with him to the grave and that his memory would only live with infamy in the records of crime and punishment burying his face in his hands he sat in deep despairing agonizing silence while his horse was being prepared and while the officer put his seal upon the various doors which he thought it necessary to secure a few hours brought the whole party to dover and the next day saw their arrival at calais but by that time the court had removed to guine and the sergeant having no orders to bring his prisoner farther sent forward a messenger to announce his arrival and demand instructions End of chapter 36